Our text of emphasis this morning comes from Acts chapter 9. I'm beginning at verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there, speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all of the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Good Father, we thank you so much for the chance to gather in your name and to connect with you and with one another. We ask for your spirit, for your presence, for your wisdom, and we praise you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. I was caught up a bit in that song. Thank you so much. Uh, the worship team, Reckless Love, it's new for me, but it is just hitting my heart. Sometimes when you hear something repeatedly, I heard it this morning as well, um, it impacts you in a different way, and I think it so connects to um, our topic today, looking at the conversion of Saul. I want to also share with you that I'm a bit distracted because what I'd rather be doing right now is just in, be in deep, fun conversation with um, Leanna, who answered our three questions this morning, and who um, shared her profession of faith, because I didn't realize we had so much in common. So I'm not from Southern California, but from Northern, and I'm hoping I still get to be included in that. Our cool members of Avid Hope are from California, even if Northern. And I went to high school in Sacramento, and you had mentioned that your husband is a pastor there, and here we go. I used to cook stuffed peppers and I had forgotten how delicious they are. So what I really want to be doing is just getting to know you. Thank you for sharing. Um, I also have had a, been blessed to get to know members of Avent Hope um, by being a part of a class that meets in the afternoon. It's called the Going Deeper class. It meets at 2.30. And we've been looking at the chapters of Acts together and the sermons together and just having time to connect. Every week it's been a different groups. Um, some are the same, you know, people come when they can. But what I've been really blown away by is just the level of honesty and vulnerability that is present in that group. 
And I knew this from experience already, but it had been a while since I had been able to meet with other adults to talk about scripture. And the same came true for me that I experienced in the past, which is we're meant to study God's word together, that something happens when we get to share and hear from each other. Um, not only do you end up feeling not quite so, maybe this is just me, so strange and alone. Like sometimes, I, particularly if I'm in Manhattan, sometimes I feel just quite not at home. I drive here from Connecticut. As I mentioned, I'm originally from the West Coast. But when you share together in a, in a group setting, you end up figuring out that even if you do completely different types of work in the week and your commute looks completely different and your family's different, even if you're cooking different foods, that there's something about the way that we respond to God's word and our need for it that you can quickly find connections. An example of that, um, we sh have shared really from the beginning of the class that most of us had this hunger and this longing to be a part, to experience what the early church um, was enjoying that we see in Acts, just the power of it, the, the miracles that happened, the being filled with the Holy Spirit, and the growth. And th so there was a shared longing to be a part of that. And with that also, we've been able to just kind of confess to each other that a lot of us are at a stage where we have an intellectual understanding of our church beliefs, perhaps, our denomination beliefs and doctrine, and we even have been told repeatedly the truth of the beautiful gospel, but it doesn't mean that we always feel it. So for example, we've been able to share with each other at this group, and yes, it's a plug, come to the class at 30 if you want, but it's also just um, an encouragement to get with others when you're studying scripture because things just really come alive. So we've been able to share as a class with some of these topics that have come out in our series on Acts that have touched on fear, on forgiveness, on service, on humility. Um, we've shared that we can hear something and accept it cognitively, agree with the information, but that doesn't mean we always feel it. So we can accept and hear and believe that yes, we're loved by Jesus and forgiven, but it, there's still sometimes that gap between living in the experience of feeling that love and feeling forgiven. And there's something about being in a group of people, sitting together and saying, yeah, I, I have that experience too, that even right then the healing begins of, of realizing I'm not alone in that feeling and what corporately can we do to support each other. All of that ties into what I'd like to present on this um, pretty well-known chapter of Acts. I was um, excited when uh, Pastor Todd asked if I would cover Paul's conversion. To be honest with you, I, I think I remember telling my husband, Greg, I don't know why he gave me the conversion. Like People like to talk about this story. It's filled with this really cool supernatural, um, the appearance of Jesus on the road. You've got scales falling off of, of Saul's eyes. Um, lots of visions and communication directly from God to both Saul and Ananias. So to be given this chapter um, felt like a humbling honor. And what I would like to do um, is something that I hope resonates with at least um, a few of you today. And of course, with Jesus, we're aiming for all of us that we would all on some level be encouraged and drawn towards him. I would like to, to stay away from the word conversion. Um, it doesn't actually appear in this text, and it is a concept that's often looked at when we look at Acts chapter 9, and move instead into something that I think is what conversion is all about, um, and that is a sense of belonging. And I got that word from um, Acts 9, verse 2, and I'm going to read it again here for you. 
Uh, Paul, this is, uh, excuse me, Saul at this point, later in chapter 13, he begins to be referred to by Paul. But at this point, Saul, who's a Pharisee, is taking it on himself to get authority from the high priest to go ahead and take prisoners from uh, Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem. He um, has asked for this authority, and he says, he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. If he found any who belonged to the way, belonged to the way, this really captured my attention. Um, my background is that I'm a student of English literature. I love words. I love the communication of words. I love the written word. I love poetry. And what I've noticed, church is a uh, setting where often words get used so much that they begin to lose some of their deeper meaning. So what's exciting about this reference to Christians in Acts 9 is this is at a time where the church is so new, the movement of followers of Christ are so young still that they don't really have a name. They haven't been established enough, and so when they're being referred to here by Saul, he may even be using it in sort of a derogatory or a, a tone of reproach or just a stab at what to call them. If I find any of those who belong to the way, but for those of us who follow Christ, there's some, something so beautiful about that. Because the one who said that he is the life, the truth, the light, and the way, I want to belong to. I want to move not just from hearing about or accepting and saying, affirming, yes, I believe, but I want to move all the way to that converted experience of belonging to the way. And that's what we see happens for Saul in this chapter um, 9 of Acts. A few things that I would like to share as stumbling blocks to our sense of belonging to God. The first is fear. The word fear has come up in nearly every uh, sermon that we've had so far on Acts. It is that thing that keeps us from being able to be receptive to God's call on our life. Fear is that thing that also keeps us separated from each other. So for Saul, he had established his relationship with God and with others seems predominantly from the text one that was based in fear. His murderous threats that are being breathed out from the beginning of this chapter are against those who would oppose what he has been taught and what he has been schooled in the law of, of God's way. But you get a sense also that there is a distance between not just him and other people, but him and God. So fear is something that keeps us from conversion or belonging to the way. The second thing is settling for fitting in instead of belonging. I want to take a little bit longer with this and just share what might be the distinction between belonging to the way and simply fitting in. This one resonated with me just because my own story happens to be that I, um, at a very young age, aimed to fit into church because that's what I thought was the good thing to do, and I was one of the good girls who wanted to do the right things. So for me, I, um, I was raised in a church. 
My father was a pastor of an evangelical free church. My mother later um, chose to be a member of the Adventist um, movement, and there's a story there. But for me as a little child, I don't, I don't have memories without church or prayer or hymns or Bible teaching. However, when I look back on my experience, I realize that what I was often doing was simply conforming to something that I felt was necessary and would give me value rather than having a settled sense of belonging. I want to read just a few points from a book called Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And uh, I know Pastor Nick has referred to her work. It's been significant and meaningful in my own life. She is a, a researcher and sociologist and has brought the word vulnerability uh, to our um, current culture and consciousness and has encouraged relationship that is based and grounded in vulnerability. And of course, vulnerability is that thing that says, even though I have fear that we've already talked about, I'm going to risk keeping myself open, being my authentic self, and take that risk of trying to connect with others in a state of vulnerability. That being said, Christ would be the ultimate example of one who decided to make himself vulnerable on our behalf and continues to leave himself open for us with that invitation. So in Braving the Wilderness, Brene Brown did something interesting. She went and interviewed kids in middle school and asked them to make a distinction between the sense of belonging and fitting in. And so these are just three um, statements that she got back from um, middle schoolers that she um, interviewed. Here's the first. Belonging is being somewhere where you want to be and they want you. Fitting in is being somewhere where you want to be, but they don't care one way or another. They want you with belonging, fitting in, they don't really care. We could apply this to different lenses of our own relationship with God and our view of him and his character. It also, for me, it connected me to my early experience with Christianity, where I wanted to be in church for a mix of of, of motives and reasons, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I felt people cared if I was there or not. In fact, even later on uh, from childhood, I remember in my late 20s when the gospel was super fresh to me, it was like uh, I had been previously reading it in one language and then I had the opportunity to read it in an entirely new language that was the language of my heart and it finally made sense and I had this new beginning of an invitation to belonging with Christ and so I did what was natural I thought well I know what I need to do I need to go to church and it had been a while at that point to go to church and I was so excited about physically going to church and with this new sense of who Jesus was but there was that my excitement, I wanted it to be matched with the look and on the faces of others who had read this incredible truth about the gospel that it's Jesus' righteousness that covers over mine that, that I am accepted and wanted by God. So I went and I showed up to a church I'd never been before. And it's not to blame them for not being welcoming or not, but my eyes scanned and wanted that connectivity. And it just wasn't there. I don't know if that day I wasn't wearing the right thing or I was too eager or I wasn't listening to the right, or I didn't know the group, but it just wasn't there. So belonging is that sense 
different from fitting in where they want you and you want to be there. The next one um, from middle schoolers, belonging is being accepted for you. Fitting in is being accepted for being like everyone else. Belonging comes from acceptance of you being you. Fitting in is you're accepted when you're like everyone else. Some of us may be able to apply this to our own growing up in the church, where we felt okay as long as we were eating, dressing, speaking, looking, studying like everyone else. This also applies to our chapter here in uh, Acts chapter 9, where Saul is a member of a group that very much encourages one way of speaking, thinking, dressing, eating. And in fact, these members, those who are belonging to the way, are those that they are connected only by opposing. Saul fits in because he's against this group. They have a shared enemy. And his connection then to the Church of Jerusalem at this point in his spiritual relationship is based on us and them. And it's based on judgment, fear, prejudice, superiority, and also false teaching, a missing of the Messiah who will appear to him on the road. The final statement just of belonging versus fitting in if I get to, meet, be, get to be me, I belong. If I have to be like you, I fit in. So these are um, differences in this movement in our own conversion from fitting in with those who profess a faith and relationship with God versus belonging to the way, which we'll see also includes those who have uh, chosen to identify themselves with Jesus. Saul, like no one else, because of his previous actions, when he is confronted on the road in this supernatural bright light and falling to the ground, he had an invitation to be accepted into a movement just as he was, even with his guilt and his shame. I would like to just now move forward in this idea of conversion being a deep movement from isolation and self-sufficiency into coming to a sense of belonging, which is something that we share not just with each other who come into church, but I think you could definitely make the case that the people that we're passing on the sidewalks we ha and sitting next to in the subways, we have this in common with them too, that deep down they also want to feel like they belong. And so Saul is confronted by truth. And this would be the first in, a th in three points that draw us from isolation into a sense of belonging. Voicing truth and asking hard questions. Perhaps you've been asked before to tell your story of how you met Christ. I've had some awkward exchanges I shared with the first service this morning that um, it's been a complete unexpected privilege to get to know and study with women of all different denominations. And now I'm currently teaching uh, ninth grade high school Bible, so I'm learning from high school students, from teenagers as well. But when I met uh, f 
for years and studied with um, women of all different backgrounds. Occasionally, we would meet up for lunch um, or coffee or something, and I would get asked, sometimes not so subtly, just uh, tell me how you met Jesus or tell me your story of being b born again. And that exercise of being able to reflect back has been really um, powerful for me and meaningful for me. And we see that in the book of Acts, too. Here, this story of Saul meeting Jesus, the bright light on the road to Damascus, and coming face to face with the truth is also repeated in Acts 22 and Acts 26. And I believe by intention, Luke included three different tellings, all very similar, of this story, likely because it was Saul's way, who later becomes Paul, we'll see that in 13, is referred to as Paul. When he taught, he shared his story, and it was the remembering of that movement towards belonging that was significant for him to share. So when we're moving from isolation and self-reliance, that would be a state previously to accepting the glorious good news. When we are functioning, whether or not we articulate it or not, when we're functioning in a state where we believe that we make life happen, that our connection with God is on us, that we're a good person or a bad person dependent on us, that is a place of um, isolation and often associated with our needing to fit into certain groups to find our acceptance. When we move, however, through the, the beautiful message of the good news into something entirely different, which isn't just information but a sense of belonging, there is a process that um, takes place. And the first, I would say, is a voicing of the truth of who Jesus is and an asking of hard questions. So the first that happens here in Acts chapter 9 is simply Christ saying to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? That was Saul's face-to-face -face encounter with truth, a very challenging question. Saul was a student of the scriptures, and he would have known that in the Hebrew language, when it's expressed in studying um, the, the laws of God and in the Torah, that anytime something is repeated, it is meant for specific emphasis. In particular, there's an intimacy and a, even if you will, a drama that happens if your name is repeated out loud twice. So Saul would have remembered learning about Abraham, Abraham from the story. We find it in Genesis 22 of when God asks Abraham to stop and not to have, um, have the knife come down on his son Isaac because the lamb would be provided. And Saul would have remembered Moses, Moses from the burning bush. And he would have remembered this, the calling of Samuel, Samuel. And so now here he is in a rage, bringing it on himself, self-sufficiency, self-reliance, so much zeal for God and for his beliefs that he wants and asks permission to have further authority to go and arrest others who belong to this way. And he hears the voice of God, Saul, Saul. Even before the rest of the question comes, Saul would have, his heart would have been taken to his knees. It's been said that often the way that we act with others tells the most about our view of God. So you could imply, what is Saul's view of God as he's 
rushing with violence, motivated by fear and hate and judgment and division, a God that would need to be appeased by bounding men and women and arresting them. So he hears Saul, Saul, and then he hears, why do you persecute me? Truth brings us into a sense of belonging, asking hard questions and truth. And so here comes the embodiment of truth saying to Saul, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The living Jesus appeared to Saul, and here this is a moment that is so significant for the early church. This is a beginning of our understanding of just how close Jesus associated himself with those who followed him. Those who belong to the way, Jesus makes very clear in his exchange with Saul, he identified as one and the same. You persecute them, you're persecuting me. I belong to them, they belong to the way, we belong to each other. So here Saul is confronted with his own actions and with truth. Moving into belonging requires truth in the asking of hard questions. Questions that I ask myself, not on a daily basis, but there are a few that I return to when I have that sense that I'm actually just behaving in a way to fit in and not really living out of an authentic connection with Christ. And those questions that I ask myself, they do come out from this text, but they're based on scripture. One is just, where are you? Um, which God asked Adam in the Garden of Eden, just where are you? And that's similar to Saul being asked, why are you persecuting me? What are you doing? Where are you in this? The next is, do you want to be healed? And we'll see that there's a call for Saul's healing from blindness uh, further on in our text together. Do you want to be healed? It's what Jesus asked a layman um, laying by the pool who had been in a state for 38 years. And it's a legitimate question for you or I because do we want to be healed suggests that some of us, though we have desires and stirrings of our hearts, aren't sure that we really want, you could connect this to last week's um, presentation on Philip, some of us aren't sure what God will ask of us and what will be required of us if we're fully healed. So we don't know if we want that kind of change. But do you want to be healed? And a question that resonates with this passage of scripture that I ask myself when I sense that I'm just trying to fit in or trying to people please or trying to be that good girl, and that is, who do you say I am? Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And here, Saul is crying out saying, who are you, Lord? And he's hearing the beautiful truth that I am Jesus and that Jesus associates himself very closely to those who belong to him. The next thing absolutely necessary for our sense of belonging, that conversion from isolation and self-reliance, trying to make life work on our own, to the acceptance of the good news of Jesus, that comes from connections with others. Uh, I shared this morning um, that I am a solitude junkie. I love to be by myself. It makes me a little bit challenging to be in relationship with, but I'm growing. Um, I, if, if God was giving me a calling, I would want him to say something like, Sarah, your job is going to be to read a lot and jot down things that you read. And I would say, I can do it. I'm your servant. But as we've heard from the teaching of Acts, that our relationship with God will always include other people. 
our need for them and the expression of who he is between them and between us. So I've been challenged on a personal level, uh, becoming more mature in both my faith and emotionally and spiritually, to recognize that I need to be with people. And I need to affirm them and I need to be affirmed by them. Remember when we raised our hand if we had a brain and we need compliments or we like compliments? Remember that? That was so great. Our sense of belonging will never be completely healthy just assuring ourselves that we belong with God until we move beyond and have a sense of belonging to those who also belong to the way. So in this text, it is Ananias who serves as the one who brings that healing for Saul. Now, God could have renewed Saul's sight, of course. He is the one, his light is the one who took it away. But God instead chose to call another who belonged to him to come and to be the source of healing. And from the text, we see that Ananias speaks some truth and pushes back a little bit. He essentially is saying in this text, God, are you sure you know what you're talking about? That man, I've heard about him. Have you received the message? And God tells him, go. And it's later in this text, I'll read 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. Not just Saul, but Brother Saul. Saul's eyesight, the scales removing from his eyes, his movement and conversion from one of isolation, self-reliance, and false um, teaching on who the true character of, of God is, moved into a sense of belonging with his, a, a touch of another human, another who belonged to the way. To move from isolation to belonging, we need truth and the answering of hard questions, and we need each other. We need to have the touch and the healing of interaction with others. And finally, something I've already alluded to, our sense of belonging comes from remembering and sharing our story. The same way that churches will highlight conversion, we also have testimony highlighted. And maybe you would be excited to stand up and share your testimony. Maybe you would be uh, less excited and not quite sure what, what the details you would share. But what we know and what we have learned, in fact, our, our class in the afternoon, we've been talking about this and looking at teachings on this, is that human beings connect to each other and derive identity from story. This is why scripture is so important to us and has always been vital for the people of God to have a written account, a story of God's love for mankind. So our movement from isolation, just like Saul's, into the conversion of belonging to the way, the truth, and the life comes from a remembering of our beginning when we met Jesus on the road, when we were first confronted by his light and his love, when we were accepted even though shame could have and should have kept us. Of anyone in the Bible, Saul is the one, he called himself the chief of sinners, he is the one who could have said, because of my shame and guilt are too great, God, please choose someone else to tell your story. But because he belonged to the way, and he was healed by that connection. 
He moved forward in vulnerability and courage, and I believe he did that by the repetition of telling his story. Simply put, he said, this is who I was before, and I was a Jew among Jews, and this is who I am now because of Jesus. In closing, I would like to just turn just to make the full circle of how important this idea of belonging is for me and for you and for the church of Christ that we see growing and changing and deriving its name in Acts. Uh, chapter 27, verse 23, this is Paul. This, these are his words to those with him on a boat in the middle of a storm. Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. He was off to find those who belonged to the way and found himself invited into something that wasn't just doctrine or information, but it was an invitation to more than fit in, but to be accepted, to be known, to be healed, to be touched, and to belong to the living God. God bless you as you continue your journey to belonging.